0: Amen indeed. So, as the opening scripture went, are you truly glad to be back in the house of the Lord this morning? Are you glad to be back in the house of the Lord this morning? Okay, so we know, we know that we can't sing, right? That, that's, that's not a good thing in this time that we're in right now. But I wonder if you would join me in standing on your feet and honoring God with just a hand clap. Would you do that with me this morning? See, praise is not singing. It's when we lift our hearts up and magnify our father, who is the king of kings and lord of lords. So we honor you this morning, God. OK, you may be seated. It's good to be here with you all this morning. You may be seated. Uh, we're going to uh, to take a look at a passage uh, here in just a second. And uh, you, it's a familiar passage to you, but I, I pray that you will look at it this morning uh, with fresh eyes. Allow me to pray and then we'll jump right into it. Uh, Gracious God, I thank you for this time that we're in right now uh, where we get a chance to look at your word, uh, your powerful word that's able uh, to go deep into our hearts and to to bring about change. Uh, God, we your people would would desire uh, to be better than we are right now as a result of the work that you're doing in our hearts. And so, God, speak to us this morning. Uh, God, I pray that you would uh, work through me. And that you would allow me to be an instrument uh, that would clearly uh, proclaim uh, the good news of Jesus, the hope that's uh, ours in Christ Jesus, isn't that? And that God, that you would allow uh, me in any way, uh, anything I would say uh, that would be improper. God, that you would help me to to see that ahead of time and to uh, to to put a stop to it. So God, may we go from here at the end though, being doers of it. Uh, may we hear it and grasp it and go away being doers of it and not just hearers of it only. In Christ's name, and so. I'm gonna honor God from the reading of a passage that our it's our bumper passage today from Matthew twenty-one uh verses twenty-eight to forty-six. It's actually uh two two parables back to back in the in the gospel of Matthew. So what do you think? A man had two sons, and he went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward he changed his mind and went. And he went to the other son, and he said the same, and he answered. I go, sir, but he did not. Which of the two did the will of his father? And they said, the first. Jesus said to them, truly, I say to you, the tax collectors and prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. Verse 33, here another parable. There was a master of a house who planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a wine press in it and built a tower and leased it to his tenants and went into another country. Verse 34, when the season for the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to get his fruit. And the tenants took his servants and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent other servants, more than the first they did the same to them. Finally, he sent his own son to them, saying, they will respect my son. But the tenants saw the son. They said to themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and have his inheritance. And they took him, threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. When therefore the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to the tenants? They said to him, he will put those wretches to a miserable death, And let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the fruits in their seasons. Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to people producing its fruits. And the one who falls on the stone will be broken to pieces and will. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they perceived that he was speaking about them. And although they were seeking to arrest him, they feared the crowds because they held him to be a prophet. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God indeed. And so as we as we look at this, this this lengthy peril, these two perils, and we try to make our way through them today, I want to to bring out a few key things that I think will be important for us to to, to think about as we track through this. There are many, many takeaways that we could take from this great passage, but I really want us to hone in on the fact that, 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 that right here, Jesus is talking about his vineyard. He's talking about the harvest field, more importantly, the people who are the fruit of the harvest. And so though there are many takeaways that you could grasp from this text, I want us for a moment to think about and to look at and to glean in this passage and to reckon with our common commission, our common commission uh, by Jesus to go into the harvest field, to the marketplace and to reach out, care for and to nurture those who are far from the father. Jesus said it this way in Matthew nine. The father is saying the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers and that's those who go out into the vineyard and work. Those are few. And so today. As I consider where we are at uh, College Hill Presbyterian Church, I'm grateful that many of us here that we see and we reckon with the father's love for the harvest, his love for the vineyard. And many of you are doing extremely well in your serving and going into the vineyard, into our community, into our world and making a difference. It's evidence in the way in which uh, those of, of you, many of you serve uh, at our, our after school program, uh, college after school program over at Pleasant Hill School there. It's evidence in the way uh, lunches have been provided through this summer uh, at that school. It's evidence in, in the way that, that you're not just caring about the spiritual needs of those children, but but you're digging in and helping them with literacy and with things that will, will propel them to have a better life, uh, not just from a spiritual, but from a holistic standpoint. Uh, the other day I had a chance to meet with our our uh, our, our leadership team for our global partners that those who serve uh, all around the world and one of the most astounding things to me, one of the things that that meant so much to me was that out of the 12 or 13 global partners that are serving all around the world, African, Asian and the Middle East and other places. Of those twelve or thirteen people, the majority of those have come from right here at College Hill Presbyterian Church in some form or another. Man, that is astounding statistic. That that many people uh, come from here and are committed to going into the field, into the vineyard, into the harvest place, and to serve those and to nurture, care for. And to lead them uh, to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so, as we look at this parable, uh, make no mistake about it. The Father, the Father, came to the Son, and He's coming to you, and He's coming to me, and He's saying to us, "Will we go into the vineyard? Will we go into the harvest field? And will we reach those who hadn't been reached for the kingdom of God?" I am um, uh, by no means a farmer, but uh, but boy, I, I, there was a there was a patch of land in the yard that that I had neglected uh, for way too long. Now, many of you probably know how that is. I happened to see uh, some of our uh, uh, members here working yesterday in the grounds here at Acacia Presbyterian Church. But, but uh, I I went out into my yard and I realized that there was this this huge neglected uh, patch of ground that I had just totally not cared for that I hadn't nurtured at all, and uh, and I didn't have the patience to go through. And 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 just kind of deal with the, the valuable, precious uh, plants that were growing there. What what I what I decided to do was to grab my weed whacker and say, you know what, it's it's just all got to go. Has it, I don't know if anyone's ever done that before. You know, there are st- there are things growing there that are good, but but I just thought, you know, it's just all got to go. I just didn't have the patience. It just seemed like it just wasn't worth it to take the time. I just didn't care enough for those plants to take time to to go in and do the hard work. And and I wonder, as I consider uh, where the church is, and not just our church, but the global church, I wonder sometimes if we take more of a weed whacker approach to our society and we go out more in a judgmental fashion than in a compassionate way. Jesus looked out at those, at the harvest, and he says, the the harvest is plentiful. Uh, There are many who are ripe and ready, but the laborers, there are so few. And as I think about the harvest, I think about... Uh, uh those in our city who were recently protesting and I, and I remember going downtown and not only myself but but drew and other staff members went down into our city and I remember walking into uh, the crowds of protesters and I was I was really amazed that uh, just the, the attitude and the spirit of the people there. I mean, it was just such an honorable thing to see people uh, behaving respectfully, but yet letting their voices be heard. Boy. But I looked around and I saw people serving, uh, bringing water bottles and serving and offering masks to those who didn't have masks. And but, but my my heart's cry was, where is the church? I mean, where is the church in this moment? And I looked about and I imagine there were those there who were Christ followers. But but I wonder where the church really, I wonder if we saw that uh, more as a weed whacker moment. Well, man, there are some bad people down there. And make no mistake about it, there were those who who probably had nothing uh, but mad and foolishness in their heart. Those who sought to do nothing more than destruction. But I wonder if we could see the harvest. I wonder if we could see those protesters the way Jesus did when he says, man, I, I look out at those people with compassion. I look out at those people with heartbreak because they're going about aimlessly. They're going about disillusioned, confused as a sheep without a shepherd. I believe that God, the father, uh, not only went to uh, the two of his sons, but he comes to us with that same uh, degree of urgency. And he's asking us, are we willing to go into our vineyard, go into our community, into our city and make a difference? Or will we sit back? And it's so easy to do so, so easy for me to sit back in my easy chair with my remote and to turn on the news and look out and see what's going on in in, in society and to say, man, we've got a big problem in our culture. People aren't doing what they're supposed to. I I don't see the kind of godliness that I need to see in our world today. It seems like we're just going so far off base. It's easy to do that instead of looking out and going forward with compassion the way uh, that Jesus did when he went out into the field. And so the question for us is, are we going to say yes or are we going to say no? And and I, I wonder sometimes if we forget whose harvest field it is. I wonder if we forget sometimes whose vineyard it is. The truth is, the harvest field belongs to the Father. And he sees and he loves the harvest field. He loves the vineyard and those who are in it. And see, the harvest field looks like this. It looks like uh, Republicans and Democrats. It looks like uh, uh, prostitutes, the LGBT community. It looks like uh, homeless people and homeowners. It looks like brown and white people and black people. It looks like people who are violent and looks like people who are peaceful. Uh, the harvest field, the vineyard looks like our city. It looks like our community. And in many ways, it looks like our church. And so my prayer is that we will take the, the call of Jesus seriously upon our lives and we'll be a people who will say yes instead of a people who will say no. The harvest belongs to the father and yet, and yet he's given you and I the responsibility to care for. it. What an amazing uh, picture of a reality of our responsibility, our partnership with our heavenly father to make a difference in our world. I, I look at the life of Jesus and uh, it's amazing that they couldn't keep him from the harvest. Right. I mean, they they tried, they, especially the religious community, they couldn't keep him uh, from being out there eating among sinners. He hung out with the white collar criminals and and and, and uh, the poor street hustlers alike. He he sat down and ate with the prostitutes and with the tax collectors and with those who are far from God, to, and I wonder today, how many of us have close friends? How many of us spend time with those who are far from the kingdom of God? How many of us spend time, real, solid, committed time with those who are in the vineyard? Do, or do we, we find ourselves, as I do sometimes, just relishing and loving even more the great space that we have here at College Hill Presbyterian Church? I take a deep breath, and I love the smell of the fresh carpet that, that we get a chance to walk on. Don't you love it? I go into our new worship center uh, on the other side, and man, I look around at Rome and I think about uh, the, the resources that were poured into that space to make it such a wonderful, wonderful place for us to lift up and and to glorify our king of kings and Lord of lords. But but the Lord of the harvest will not be satisfied with us just remaining in the house. His commission is for us to go. We remember the guy who came to him and said, man, what's the most important thing is to love the Lord your God with all your heart. But the second thing is like it to love our neighbors. As ourselves, and so the question is, are: We going to say yes or no? A man had two sons. It says in verse twenty-eight. He went into the first son, the youngest, is, what, is, is, is how it goes. And and that son, he asked him to go and work in the the vineyard, and he said, "Man, I, I will not." And we know later on he changed his mind. But but I wonder what I wonder what it was that caused him to resist and just to say no. I wonder what he was holding on to that he just couldn't let go that that kept him from doing and being obedient and going into the harvest. I wonder I wonder if it was his status. I wonder if he realized that he was a son, you know. And maybe, maybe in his mind that, that was just someone else's work. I imagine that that the father had many servants, many, many other workers who spent time in the field. And maybe, maybe the son sat back and says, Well dad I don't know if I'm cut out for the field. That, that's someone else's responsibility. I wonder if his status had him think, you know what dad, how about if we just, we just toss a, uh, toss a few, a few, a few shillings at the problem. I wonder if we just toss a little coin at the problem instead of going myself. I wonder if we could just hire someone to go into the field. I think his status was, was definitely a hindrance to him stepping up and taking his place and being obedient to the father at that moment and saying no and not going into the field. I wonder if it was his busyness. Uh, I, I found a quote that said, a uh, business is the enemy of obedience. Busyness is the enemy of obedience. And so oftentimes I wonder, as I look at this, was he so busy doing his own thing that he just didn't have time? Oh, pops, I've got things to do. I mean, maybe he had tickets to the to the, to the local concert I and mean, perhaps it was even a Christian concert. Maybe he just had some good, godly, healthy things to do that kept him from being obedient to the father and the ass to go doing good things is not what the father wants. If it's not doing what he's asking us to do, doing a good thing. If it's not what the father wants, is actually a bad thing. I wonder if it was his comforts that, that kept him from being obedient. I know I love my comforts. I wonder if, if he thought, man, the conditions out there in the field, it's, it's got to be hot out there in the vineyard. I imagine in that time it was extremely hot and and I don't know what kind of insects existed in that field. I mean, but I imagine there were things that would bite and, and just annoy you. And maybe he thought, man, I, I'm just too comfortable where I'm at. and I just don't want to go out there. Maybe he felt like it was dangerous for him. Or, or it could have been that maybe he thought, you know, Pops, um, I, I tried to work in the field before, but I'm just not cut out for it. I, I took that, uh, what is it called, the, the Enneagram test. Janet gave me this test that, that shows that I'm, I'm just cut a certain way by personality. And. And dad, I don't think that I'm supposed to be out there in a the field. But the father still said, go into the field. And the neat thing is that afterwards, uh, the son changed his mind. Eventually, he came to himself and he changed his mind. And so to, today, uh, the question for me and the question for you is, is what is it that keeps us uh, from going to the field? What is it that that, that has inside of us the, the first attitude of a no I don't want to do that. No, it's just not for me. What is it that keeps us from being obedient to the father? The good thing is eventually he dropped everything that he was holding, everything that was keeping him from going to the field. And he changed his mind and he went. So whatever you're holding on to, I say we need to drop it and, and we need to do it now. Drop it and do it now. Uh, I remember, uh, and I'm not going to tell a long police story, I promise you. I remember uh, as during my police time encountering a guy with uh, with a Mac-10. And Mac-10 is a a sub-machine gun, a really long magazine. It holds 36 rounds. It can empty those rounds in less than two seconds, in fact. I remember encountering a guy uh, with with a Mac-10 machine gun out there on patrol, uh, and, and I remember confronting him. And the good thing is, is I was first at the draw, right? I, I happened to come up on him first and, 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 I didn't say to him, you know, sir, I really appreciate it. If, if you, if you, if you just put that thing down, no, what I did was I looked over and I, I said, Hey, drop it and do it now. You see, I knew that action beat reaction. And I think way too often we as Christ followers, we're reactionary in our approach to our world. But I looked at this guy and I said, Hey guy, drop it and do it now. I don't know what it was he was thinking. I don't know what his intentions were. I don't know what his next steps and what his thoughts were, but I knew in that moment he had just a moment to change his mind. I don't know how long it was going to be, but he had just a moment to change his mind and to go a different route, but he had to drop it and do it now. And so I say to you and I say to myself, man, when it comes to being busy, sometimes I just got to drop it and go now. I've got to be obedient and go when the father says go. And and I would say to you today, drop whatever it is that's holding you and that's keeping you from being obedient to go into the field and to serve, to love and to nurture those who are far from the father. Uh, the, the Bible tells us, man, that, that day today is the day to go and work, that, that nighttime is coming when no man will be able to work. It's a today kind of call. A man had two sons and he went to the first son and he said, go into the vineyard today. Do you see the sense of urgency there? It was a today call. It was not a, you know, whenever you feel like, it, or whenever you get ready call, no, it was a today call. There was a sense of urgency about it. And I like where the boy's head was at. I, I like that even, even though he, he started off with no, I like how he changed his mind. He had a, he had a, a get right quick kind of mentality where he, where he changed and he decided, you know what, I'm going to go and be obedient to the father. And that's the kind of person I, I want to be. And that's the kind of person I, I hope we continue to be here at this church. Maybe you've, you've been living out of a no narrative in your mind. Maybe you thought, you know what, maybe I'm too old, too young. Maybe I'm I'm too intelligent. Maybe I'm not smart enough. Maybe we think that loving and just serving and caring for is just not enough. Maybe we think that what we have to do is go out and preach and hail a bunch of scriptures forward instead of simply loving and caring for and serving those who are far from the Father. I'm here to tell you that that's just in and of itself enough, just simply to love and be a witness versus thinking that we've got to go and verbally witness with our words. I love it how the... The young man changed his mind, and my prayer for you and my prayer for me is that we take that same approach. I love the next part of this passage, and uh, it's amazing that that when I consider the father and his response to the younger son, the first son, he didn't stop and spend a lot of time trying to guilt him about what he should do. He didn't say, "Well, no, you know, you should go. You've got to respond." He didn't go through the whole list of what you what you should do and how it, it would mean so much. He simply went to the next son and brought up the same thing to his other son. And so today I hope that by no means you hear from me uh, a spirit of guilt and condemnation about whatever position you've taken and how you love and care for those far from God, because I'm not trying to bring guilt. In fact, guilt is a, it's, it's a poor means of, uh, of bringing about change. Uh, And so I love how this father didn't take a, a guilty approach, nor did he argue with the son. He just simply went, as it says to his other son and said the same thing. I find that kind of funny because I as a a young kid growing up, man, I I can't I couldn't imagine just saying no to my father. No, no, I'm not going. Mm -mm, Don't do it. Now, I can't tell you what the consequences would have been, but I can tell you there would have been consequences and repercussions. But this father, our heavenly father is much better than us. He doesn't spend time guilting us or arguing with us or shaming us into a response. He simply continues to work through us, continue to work in us, helping us to see the value for the vineyard. And if we saw the value for the vineyard, if we really saw the lives and the fruit of the vineyard, then then going would be something that we would step up and readily do. Verse 30, it says this. And he went to the other son and said the same thing. And he said, the second son, oh, I go, sir. But he did not go. Do you see what he did there? His his response is really a no response, just like the first son. But 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 he he was a slick, slippery kind of guy. He had a way of of affirming and knowing what to say, but he, he had no commitment in, in what he was to do. It's so easy to say, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, I'll go for sure." And not really step up and, and make our commitment firm by our actions. We've got to be people who know, not only say what we need to say, but do what we need to do. He knew how to say the right thing, but he wasn't committed to doing the right thing. I wonder what it was that kept him from following through. I guess we'll, we'll never know that. But in verse 31, I think it's the key uh, to this whole passage. It says, which of the two, which of the two sons did the will of the father? Which of the two sons did the will of of the father? And they said, of course, it was the first. And I think that's what it really comes down to for you. And it comes down to that for me. Are we willing and committed to doing the will of the father? Are we committed and willing to do the will of the father? Not. Our will of the will of Daryl or the will of our mission statement, our vision statement, but the will of the father, not not the will of our community and what they need and the will of the city, but the will of the father. It's the will of the father that would have us go serve, love, care for, nurture those who are far from the father. I believe the father himself is in the field. And if we want to be close to God, if we want to be in the place where where God is, we need to be people who go out and serve in the field. Later on down, we read how uh, the father, uh, the the landowner, is, is how it's portrayed in the passage. He came in the time when the harvest was drawing near. And I believe in our city, in our community right now, the time for harvest is drawing near. I can see by the tension uh, that we see uh, in our city that the time for harvest is drawing near. I know uh, as, a, as a young church planter, uh, there were three things that we said that, that we wanted to be Ready to respond to tension, transition and trouble when when there was great tension, that's a great time for the church to be the church. When there's great trouble, that's a great time for the church to be the church. When there's great transition and and people are confused about what they're going to do next, that's a great time for the church to be the church. And so I think this is no better time for us to step up and do the will of the father. And I say that by God's grace and by his power, we can do better than what we're doing right now. As Jesus looked out, he saw those who were confused. Wandering about aimlessly, disillusioned and hopeless. And his heart uh, broke with compassion. And so I say, uh, God, I pray for us that we too, that we look at and we also carry with us a, a heart of compassion. Over the next next six months, uh, I think you're going to see, and, and I know my role in particular here at Calvary Presbyterian Church is to to help make easy landing places, easy easy roadmaps for us as a community of believers to go out and serve at a, as a as a church community and to make a difference in our world. And we may not be able to to do a whole lot with our current conditions right now, but we can do something, right? And, and, and my goal, my, my dream and what I believe God is saying for us to do as a community of church is not just to, not just to toss a little money at the problem and say, oh, we we did a little bit. Remember the, oh, I gave at the office mentality. Yeah. I, I remember again, as a police officer, they come around once a year and hey, we want, we want to help out in the community. So guys fill out this card and just put down the mountain, just drop it in there and we'll be doing our part. It's easy to look out as a, as a church, any church and say, well, you know what? We're, we're going to give to Matthew 21 and. You know, we just we just tossed a little 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 money at the problem. We're we're gonna we're we're gonna go ahead and drop off a bag over at Christ Community and give a little food and help out that way. And I'm not minimizing those or saying those are bad things, but I think that God wants us to have our own personal skin in the game. I think He wants us to be people who go in some form or another and touch someone else who doesn't know the Father. It doesn't have to be a big thing, but again, who are we connected with from day to day? Who doesn't know who Jesus is and how they can be brought into his kingdom. Will we be people who say yes or no? Will we go into the vineyard when the Father says go? Will we do the will of our Father? Bow your heads with me as I close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray today that uh, no one goes from here uh, feeling heavily weighed down or burdened or guilty, uh, but that we go away uh, recognizing that we have an opportunity in the midst of the tension, transition and trouble Uh, to be the effective church that cares for those the way your son Jesus did. God, our world is hurting. They truly are, uh, just going about aimlessly, not knowing what the next steps are. Confused and in pain. They're, they're sick in heart and mind and body. There's so much pain right now, even with the COVID, uh, epidemic going on in our pandemic going on in our community, our city. God, I pray that we the church would step up at such a time as this. And truly make a difference. That we would be your hands and your feet. That we would go out. Uh, maybe it's just sitting across the line from our neighbor. and Speaking words of hope. That's what it means to go. Uh, God, maybe it's when we, we stand in line at the grocery store. Six feet apart or ten feet apart with mask on. Maybe it's just speaking a word of wisdom. just Just a right word into the situation. Just by saying it's going to get better. And even if it doesn't, there's a God who yet cares. That's what it means to go. God, I pray that you would give us wisdom. Give me wisdom as a person who's responsible to to help lead us forward as as a community of faith in that direction. We honor you this day. In the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.